man, what a, what a morning. I, like, I don't know where to go, really. <laughs> I'm like, we start, we, you know, we normally start at, at about, I mean, my morning starts at half past five on a Sunday morning, five, 5.30, because I just, I wake up early, and I, I get up, and I spend time with Jesus, and um, just prepare my heart for what he's doing, and what he wants to do, and so just this morning, we came, and we had a time with, with the guys, and 8.30, we, we normally gather to pray, and you're always welcome to join us. It's not just for the leadership. It's for every one of us. Um, a time of prayer at 8.30 in the basement underneath this venue. There's another, a whole, a whole level, <laughs> a whole other level underneath here. <laughs> and, um, and so we go deeper with Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'll uh... But, um, man, there was such a sense of God just asking us just to, just to wait on Him. And even... This week leading up to this morning, I just I had such a sense of Jesus, such a sense of His goodness. And, I, and just to our visitors, welcome. I mean, I'm seeing a whole lot of new faces again, and it's so beautiful. It's, a, it's nice to see Vic and Jaime again. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Quanele, is that you? No, who's that? Sam? No, I thought it was Quanele. Pull that mask off, you beautiful man. Yeah, I love you too, but so good to see you, my bud. Oh, it's so good to see you, Sam. Um, and, uh, but it's like, I, I, I know Vic and Jaime moved out of town, but they, uh, yeah, this morning, I love it, miss you guys, man, um, and uh, just maybe, are there any other visitors here for the first time, just want to acknowledge you guys, welcome, sir, welcome, guys, hello, how's it, <laughs> such a pity, I, this mask story irritates me, because I can't see your face, I want to get, and then it's like, you come, you've been coming three weeks, and it's like, no, I've actually been coming three weeks, and I'm like, oh, bad on me, kind of thing. But to our visitors, just a, a warm welcome. What we do have, and I, I do just want to, please would you, that's for you. All right, if you haven't, have you got one already? Great, okay. All right, well, that's my job then. If you haven't received one of these yet, Trevor, that young man, that short guy, just walking around, won't you just have a look at that form? And, and that's just telling you a little bit about us as Josh Jen, who we are, and uh, if, if I'd ask you, fill it out and give it back to Trevor at the end, uh, gentleman with the Ripcall T-shirt. <laughs> Just give it back to Trevor if you want. Fill it out, and we'll make contact with you, you, you guys that are visiting. We'd love to just give you a, a phone call. Um, I'm not, yeah, there, there are a couple of things housekeeping-wise, but maybe we'll do it at the end kind of thing because I don't want to miss what God's doing. So I'm, I'm going to just jump straight in. Is that all right? My name's Chad, by the way. Sorry, I haven't introduced myself. Chad. Hello. I'm one of the elders in this amazing congregation, and have the privilege to lead it with an incredible team uh, and be part of an incredible eldership in Josh Jen. There's over 200 elders now in Josh Jen across the city of Cape Town, the Western Cape, the Southern Cape, and we are building God's kingdom together. And it's amazing to see what God is doing. And man, I'm, I'm just bowled over. And so, so this morning... My notes. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I think I think I got a bit carried away in the prayer time. So, um, um, yeah, this this morning, like, you know, if you were here with us last week, and uh, maybe even if you were a visitor, you might have felt quite like yo, your oaks are hardcore. Um, I had a coffee with one or two guys this week, and, and I realized that. Actually, what we preach and the gospel we preach is actually quite unpopular. It's a gospel that comes at a personal cost to self. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, get into your Ferrari and follow me. Get into your Chevy Spark and follow me. He said, take up your cross, an instrument of death, and follow me. And that is an offensive word to many. And so we hear it preached, and there are many churches that don't preach that. They say, come to Jesus, and all your problems will go away. All your troubles will disappear. But that is not the gospel that I see preached in the Word. I see a Word that says, come to me. I will ease your burden, but you might just die for me. 
Actually, you probably will. <laughs> I think today, we probably will die for Jesus in, 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 in today's circumstances and in the times we're living in, is we will die for Jesus. Many of us will. I believe it. It's happening all over the world. More Christians are being martyred on a daily basis than through history. That's nuts. People are dying for faith. Are you prepared to die for your faith? I am. But that's not what I want to share. But anyway, I said last week was quite a hardcore kind of message and a lot of guys. And maybe I just want to clarify one thing because I had a coffee with a mate, with a, a new friend, a new friend I'm making this week. And um, he said to me, he said, yeah, it sounds like we have to apply for leave to be part of this church. I said, no, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that at all. You guys can go on holiday. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify because I know some people think, yes, like you, of course, we can't even go on holiday. We have to, you know. No, you can go. And there's a couple, there's, there's two families away camping this weekend that I know of celebrating a 40th. And so you, we do encourage guys to take breaks and to have rest. But my point last week was that if it's a consistent lifestyle and that you're always going away, there's something wrong. There's something in the heart. I cannot force you to do anything but when your heart is positioned correctly to Jesus, we want to just be with him. And we want to be with that which he loves the most, his church, his beautiful, beautiful bride. I mean, come on, men. Before we got married, we started dating. We started, we started courting a, a lady. I think uh, Audrey and Amirsky, you guys are busy dating. And there's like that starry eyes. <laughs> soon, soon, soon. <laughs> but I tell you what, when we, when we love someone so much, we want to spend all the time we have with them. And I know he's missed her because she was in, in Mossel Bay working there and he was here. And it was like, oh man, it's hard, man. And it wasn't even that far. <laughs> and I, hey, you were in Cape Town, yeah. But I tell you what, when we love someone with all our heart, all we want to do is be with them. And Jesus loves his church and he wants to be with us. And that is, because and, and, he died for his church. He's coming back for his church. Do you believe that? He's coming back for you and me. Shocker. He's not coming back for the sinner. He came for the sinner the first time around. Second time around, he's coming for his church. He's coming for his church. You, me. But we have a responsibility to be presented to him pure and spotless, without wrinkle, without blemish. Radiant bride, beautiful bride. I mean, you just think about a wedding. Women spend so much time getting ready for that day. Hey, come on. They spend hours choosing the dress. They spend hours deciding what the hairstyle is going to look like. They spend hours on the makeup. Even the men have to have a haircut. <laughs> hours. There's so much that goes on in the preparation of a wedding ceremony, in the natural. And yet, for Jesus, how much time do we give him? How much time do we actually spend on getting ourselves ready for him? Church, he has called us to be pure and spotless bride, to be a pure and spotless bride, to get ready for his coming, because he's coming soon. He's coming soon, and I can't wait I can't wait because, man, this world sucks compared to eternity. Come on. It really does suck. It's full of issues and hardship and COVID and all these other things. I mean, I just read the other day they've discovered a new, very virulent strain of HIV. Can you, but like something else now. But there is a way that you can prevent that one. We all know that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stay pure. One man, one woman for life. Come on. Anyway, Jesus. You know, the thing that struck me the most this week in prepping is obviously is just the presence of God. Just the presence of God. And I, I really I felt like I wanted to entitle this, are we a people of the presence of God? Are we a people of His presence? Are we a people who long and hunger for the presence of God? Are we a people who desire Him with so much? Are we people that will chase after Him with every fiber in our bone, with every inch of passion, with everything inside of us? Will we chase after Him because He's worth it? 
the pearl of great price. That we would sell everything, everything. And we find that one field where the pearl is, and we sell everything that we have, every possession, everything we have, and we would buy that one field because the pearl is there, and it's so beautiful. And man, I just want to gaze into that pearl, and he is the pearl of great price. He is the pearl of great price. And we would be so just overcome with a love and a passion for him. And that is my prayer for us as a church, that the Holy Spirit would reveal his love so that we can love him back so much that we would love Him more than life itself. And can we honestly say that, that I love Jesus more than life itself? I don't think there are many people today that could say that, but that is my prayer. That is, that is the mandate before us, is to love Jesus as we love life, more than we love life. To love Him with every fiber. And not to be caught up in, you know, sometimes we get caught up in His love for us. And yes, He does love us. But sometimes when we focus on that, it becomes a little bit me-focused. He loves me. He loves, you know, it's not me, is it? Um, he loves me. He loves me. But actually, do you, we need to love him. Not about me, but you, Jesus. I must be less. You must be more. I will decrease so you can increase. Hey, he must increase. I must become nothing. Less of me, more of you, Jesus. I love you. 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 I love you, Jesus. You know, that's, that's my, like, I live and breathe that. I go for runs in the mountain. I love running in the mountain. And I just, when I run, I look at his creation. And just even this morning, I think Theo was sharing in the prayer time. He just was overwhelmed by God. There was such a sense of, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Look at your creation. Yes, it's beautiful. We're so blessed to be living in this amazing time. But I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you. I love you. And so in just meditating on this thing of the presence of God, I was led in my readings a couple of instances about the presence of God. And I thought the best place to start is the Old Testament. And I was just, I've been actually working through Exodus a little bit. And, and I was just, it was like, as I've been meditating this passage in Exodus 19 sort of jumped out at me, and I was like, man, this is such a cool story. And I want, to, I want us to read it together. So it's a bit of a passage, so I'm going to read it and go together. So on the third day, on the, sorry, on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, and on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, they set out from Rephidim, Rephidim and came to into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. And while, Ma, while, Mo, while Moses went up the mountain, the Lord caught him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded them. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the, the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. I got stumped there, but I like shot. There weren't guns in the Bible. But it was arrows. Sorry, it took me a moment to realize that. <laughs> Where the beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them 
consecrated them, and they washed their garments, and they said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. The new, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. Then the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses onto the top of the mountain. Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord, to look, and many of them perished. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set the limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up, bring in Aaron with you. Do not let the priests and the people break through and come unto the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. There's a long portion of scripture, but just such an incredible story of the presence of God coming amongst his people. And uh, I just was looking at it, and I love the mountain. There's something about mountains that just, I've loved mountains for as long as I can remember. And I tell you, I often have this picture in my mind. Imagine if, just like looking at George Peak and going, yeah. Imagine if suddenly the cloud would begin to gather and thunder and lightning and the trumpets would blast. I think, what would happen to the people of George in that moment? Like, everyone would like, what's going on? They'd run there and they'd like, but there'd probably be such a fear of going even higher. And I think that's what happened in the sense there was this, this, this occasion where there was so much smoke and lightning and it was like, I mean, you know, if you're a geologist, you could probably say, oh, there was a volcano happening. No, 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 no. There wasn't a volcano happening. The Lord was coming down. He was coming. His presence. And it was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. It's just like, I tell you, when I think of that, I think God, you know, we sometimes take God and we, we sort of make him our chummy. We make him our friend. We, we make him, you know, our papa. And we lose the reverence. We lose the awe and the wonder of this incredible God that causes lightning and like that people would perish if they just touched the mountain. That's the God we serve. He is huge. He is all-powerful. He is magnificent. I tell you, I, I just can you, can you imagine that scene? I don't know if you've ever, any of you have ever read through Exodus and the accounts of leaving, the Egyptians leaving and how they followed the cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night and how God was with them. But here was God revealing himself to his people in such a way, in such a way that they, that I'm sure it left them like breathless. <laughs> I know it would do that to me. Then there's another incident that I, that I re- recall of the Lord appearing, the, the presence of God. And that's in Second Chronicles, a little bit later. And, and so I'm going to jump forward in time. We've got now the Israelites, and I'm sure if you know the story, for those of you who don't know the Bible that well, it's a long story. There's many years that go past until Israel finally come into the promised land, and they establish for themselves a king. Saul is a king, and David takes over, and then David's son, Solomon, takes over. And all through that journey, there's always, I mean, a, a, you know, God wants to be with his people. So be, before actually David and comes along, the presence of God is housed in, in basically a tent. It's called a the tabernacle. And so we see, actually, this, this is the first instance in Exodus 19 of Jesus meeting with the people. Uh, sorry, God meeting with the people in his presence. And so Moses built, has a tent built, and, and God is there. And I'm going to show you a little portion of Scripture, which is quite amazing now. now. But I want to just jump forward to another instance in Chronicles where they build the temple, where Solomon builds the temple. 
So we've jumped many years forward now, and Solomon's built the temple, and he's, there's this whole procession, and leading up to it is the dedication of this temple to the Lord, and, and the priest, and there's sacrifices. It's a whole rigmarole, what they go through, and it's like gifts, and it's sacrifices, and gold, and it's just this pomp and ceremony. But this, for me, is stuck out, and it says, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering of the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. Yo, can imagine that. I mean, it wasn't mist like we experience from time to time. I mean, that was, I mean, I can imagine that cloud was so thick you probably wouldn't couldn't see your hand in front of your face. You put your hand here and you wouldn't be able to see it. It was so overwhelming. And when the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground and the pavement. They worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good, for he's good. His steadfast love endures. He is good. And this all came upon the people. They just, and I just thought, man, when the presence of God comes, Tell you what, we cannot stand. We cannot stand before him. We cannot do anything. It's just, it's man, fall on your face. Just fall on your face and go, you're good. You're good. You're worthy. And how many of us actually have ever experienced that? I don't know if many of us can say we've actually experienced that. It's just an incredible moment. I'm going to. So I just want to jump around with these scriptures first, and then I'm going to pull it together. I just want to also go to Exodus 33, Tandi. And this, for me, is also an amazing story as well. And now Moses, now, now this talk, we're going back to that time in Exodus in, in, in the wilderness. And, and so, so Moses used to take the tent, so the, the tabernacle, and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. So the Israelites were camped in a certain area, and Moses would take this tent, and he would pitch it a little bit of a distance away from the people, not amongst them, away. It was interesting that he pitched it away from everyone. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar, of the, cloud, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. Imagine having a like, one-on-one with God like that. I mean, actually, wow. That's, that. And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his own tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, and this, always, this line always catches me. I love this little line here. It says, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. That's quite intriguing that he has a young man. That, I mean, you've got Moses, this, this patriarchal figure, this incredible leader. He's having face-to-face conversations with God in this tent. And here's Joshua hanging around after Moses goes back to his tent. So those are just three scriptures, and I thought, how, what does this mean? Lord, what are you saying? And so, what is God saying to us? What is he saying through this? And what was he saying to me this week? Because, and, and again, it wasn't just, I, don't, I always believe that, I mean, I'm always asking God, what are you saying to us as a people? What do you, what do you want to do in me as, as a person? But what are you wanting to do in us as a people? And I really felt the Lord is wanting us to be a people who are hungry for his presence. And here we have a man Moses, who had an intimate relationship with Jesus, where he could usher in God's presence just to the people of Israel there at Mount Sinai. We, we have Joshua, a young man who would hang around in the tent and, and not leave. And then a bit later, we see where, where the temple was made. The temple had been built and the presence of God coming in. And I'm like going, you know, God, I, and, I, and I'm no... I'm not probably doing this justice, but in the New Testament, we see this transition, and I heard on it last week, how we see the tabernacle, the, the tent, the building, all being a place of housing God, but we see into the New Testament how Jesus speaks about us becoming the temple, we becoming the temple to house the Holy Spirit and to house the presence of God. And so, 
I thought I just said, what are, what are ways that we could just, you know, as believers, as people who love Jesus, how could we see God's presence like more real in our lives? And, and, and what does that mean to, to experience the presence of God in your life? I think it's, at first he starts with that place, and, and there were three things there that I saw in that scripture. But the first one, I think, is that thing of washing. And they, they wash their clothes. And for me, that speaks of a confession of our sins. You know, we, we, we need to deal with sin. You know, we want to come into the presence of God and, and we see stories throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament where actually where there was sin in a person's life that they would be struck down dead. They would be struck down dead. And, and I think we think, oh, that'll never happen to me today kind of thing. But, or, I mean, there was an instance where, where there was a couple in the New Testament who lied to the apostles, and the Holy Spirit struck them down dead. Ananias and Sapphira, they were struck down dead because they had sin in their hearts. And, and so I really saw this about, it spoke about what Moses told the disciples. He told them first he, to consecrate themselves, to set themselves apart, to wash their clothes, and then to be ready. Three things to, to, be, to, be, to be devoted. That consecration speaks of devotion, just set apart from the rest. And that's what he's called us. He's called us to be set apart from the rest. But we can't have sin. It almost goes hand in hand. We can't have sin in our lives. We can't be expecting God to, to meet with us and to, to engage with us if there's sin in our lives. Because he's a holy God. Um, Bronwyn brought that beautiful song while we were worshiping. You are holy. You are holy. And the word says that we need to be holy as he is holy. And holy means not full of holes, it means pure and spotless, it means something that is clear, clean, something that is without blemish, holy, and it's calling us to lifestyles of holiness, and, and if, for all of us, I know we, we, we're so hungry for Jesus, and, and, and maybe, maybe you're not even hungry for Jesus yet, but, but I think these people were hungry for Jesus, we've got to get to that place of hunger. For Jesus, we've got to be so hungry. But then what does that mean? We've got to be holy. We've got to deal with the sin. We need to go before him and repent and do business with Jesus. We need to confess. And, and, and I tell you, I, I'm, every morning I'm going, Jesus, there may be something I've done yesterday that I'm not aware of. Would you forgive me? Like I, I want to make sure I'm in right standing before the Lord daily, day in and day out. You know, I, de I devote myself to Jesus, and then I wait on Him. I devote myself to Him. I give Him of my time. I give Him of, of, of who I am. I devote myself to Him, and, and, I, and I obey Him. And that is what He's calling us. He's calling us to, to be a people of obedience. I see in that one scripture, it said, I spoke about they obeyed the word of the Lord. They obeyed Him. He's calling us to be a people of obedience, a people who will passionately just respond when He calls, that we will be pursuers of Him. You know, the, our greatest need is to, is to pursue Jesus. He alone is the source of living water. I don't know, am I, am I doing this justice? I don't know if we can even begin to describe what it means to be a people for him. You know, we can let our pride and arrogance get in the way. Let our ideas, what we've been taught and what we've learned. But I tell you what, Jesus, he wrecked my life. He has totally transformed me. I love him with all my heart. And it's my desire that each and every one of us would, would fall in love with him in such a way that, that, that you would be wrecked for him. And we wouldn't be critical of, I mean, critical of one another, sitting judging one another. But that as his presence fills our hearts and our lives, that we would be changed forevermore.
or we have people who are asking him to reveal himself to us. I, I think those Israelites were, were desperate for something. You know, they just left Egypt. It had been quite hectic. I mean, they experienced some incredible miracles, but I, I still can imagine there must have been some questionings going on. And, and Jesus revealed himself to them in such might and power that I'm like, how can we be the same person? Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And in order for his presence to, and that for me is a priority, in order to be someone who pursues Jesus, I know I need to get my priorities in place. And my number one priority is to pursue him with all I have, seeking him first. Colossians says this, it says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Man, I, I don't want to get stuck up on earthly things. And, and we can say, yeah, they're so important, what we do, our work, and all those kind of things. But I want to get stuck on Jesus. I want to get stuck on Jesus. I'm just going to stop there. I just, I feel like I'm just, like, you know, when you, you, when when God just wants you to do something and, like, actually words can't say it, I, I, I don't know if I'm putting it right or communicating my heart, but I have such a sense that God wants us to meet with him. He wants us to lay aside all our preconceived ideas, even our church should be, and even how we've experienced preachers and sermons. He says, would you just meet with me? Will you humble yourself before me? Psalm says, in his pride, a wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Lord, I want to come before you. And, and even where, there's, where I've sought you in such a way that has just not done you justice. You would just forgive me, Father God. Church, we serve an awesome and fearful God. And you may have come here this morning hoping for a good preach, hoping for something that would tickle your ears, but maybe you've even been coming to us thinking, when are these guys going to start preaching properly? But you know what? I can't get past the fact that it's not about knowledge. It's not about knowing things. It's about having an experience with Jesus and so that we are changed. And you know, the sad thing is, is that sometimes we encounter Jesus and we don't, we aren't changed. We're still the same person. So I'm praying right now, Jesus, that just in the weightiness of what you put on my heart, and even now, it's like I, I feel like, 
who's it, Peter, when, when Jesus, you know, on the mount, when Jesus went up and he told the guys, just to hang on, I'm going a little bit further. And then he came down and Peter in his clumsiness said, um, do we need to build a shelter? <laughs> I feel like a bit like, like Peter in that moment. Like I, I, I don't know what to say. Like I feel like a bit like one of that guy, like that mo- moment where like, okay, I'm undone, Lord. I'm undone. I think I was undone in the prayer meeting already. I'm a bit <laughs> I'm sorry. We just just pray in spirit where you're sitting. Just as Chad was sharing. Um, actually, Lauren brought it to me. That's Psalms 24. And I already feel this for the church too. It says, Who may ascend into the heel of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. And this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him and who seek your face. And Lord, I want to pray as a church too that, Holy Spirit, won't you come right now? And in a sense, we're all looking up at the mountain of the Lord. And just realizing that you are holy upon holy upon holy. And we have no right to ascend to that hill. We have no way to get to that place where God dwells. You're a righteous God. You're righteous. And Lord, there's been an examining, even this morning. Examining of our hearts, Lord, where we've looked at, and we've had idols, Father, that we've had things, and we've done deceitful things. Father, I want to pray for just, even for myself, I want to stand here and just say, I repent. I know there's times that I've spoken hard things to my wife and been difficult with my children, Lord. I want to repent of those things. Because you look at them. They're not small to you, Father. They're not small to a holy God. And Lord, I want to pray that every single one of us would find those things, Lord, that prevent us to going up in that mountain. Because your heart was to meet with your people. Your heart was to meet, but they stood on the outskirts and said, Moses, you go for us. But Lord, you've sent your son Jesus. And he became the mediator between God and man. He became the crossroad. He became the bridge for us to get to the holy mountain before before your presence. You tore the veil, Jesus that we can come into the Holy of Holies. And so, Father, I pray that every single one of us would not in any way just um, look past those things without confessing them before you, Lord. We'd look past those small, what we might call mistakes, but, Lord, you call it sin. You see it as unrighteousness. You see it as that which is preventing us from coming before a holy God. Lord, I pray that we would not undermine sin. We would not disqualify the small things and say, well, that's not important. Lord, I pray that we would realize that you called us to be holy because you're holy. So every one of us stand before you. But Lord, every single one of us have to make our own decision whether we're going to repent before you. Because you're coming back to your bride without spot or blemish.
And I want to be almost like Paul that says, I betrothed you to one groom. I want, I want to present you as that bride. And I know even us as an eldership, we want to present this congregation here in George as a bride that Jesus just finds radiant. And so, Lord, I want to pray that in that radiance, as we put on those clothes of righteousness, that we would see the things that you don't like. Whether it's our relationships, whether there's things that we hold against our brothers, whether there's unforgiveness, whether there's pride. Lord, come and reveal it to us. Because we're going to stand before you one day, as Chad said. Every single one of us are going to stand before you. Oh, let's just, just grasp that, church. You're going to stand before a holy God. And Lord, I want to pray that we were just, we know it's impossible to come before you, but we know you've made a way through your son that he redeemed us. But Lord, as we put on Christ, we also take off ourselves. We cast off the things of the flesh. And so Lord, we want to put on Jesus this morning. We want to put you on Jesus. Nothing less than Jesus. Even as Paul says, I count everything rubbish, everything rubbish in comparison to knowing you. And Lord, we want to put you on Jesus because it's the only way to the Father. It's the only way. Come, Jesus. Come and reveal yourself to every single heart here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come do the work. <laughs> it's wonderful when you're at a loss for words. And Jesus doesn't need you, actually. He doesn't need your words. He doesn't need your wisdom, your knowledge. He just needs your availability. He needs your heart doesn't need gifted orators, gifted teachers. He needs men and women that are passionate and sold out for Him. I think that's what He's trying to say to us this morning. So often we have our agendas, we have our, I mean, I, like, I prepped, okay, I did prep, I promise you. <laughs> I spent time before the Lord, I waited on Him. Sometimes He just says, can you just get out the way? Just get out the way. I'm doing my work. It's not about you. And I know that, that, that stretches our minds. That, like, that for some of us, that like goes, how does that work? Like, because we've got to have preaching and teaching of the Word. We've got to have systematic theology. We've got to have it because signs follow the preaching of the Word. We, I, I hold on to this book so dearly. I want to just Make that known. This is the manual. And I might not be a gifted person to expound it and bring you the most incredible truths. But you know what? Jesus isn't looking for that. He's looking for hearts that are sold out after him. Men and women that will step out the way and let him do the work. Men and women that will humble themselves will bow fall before him, the creator of the heavens and earth, so that we can come with contrite, pure hearts, and we can ascend the hill of the Lord, we can encounter his presence. You know, I, I, I carried on reading that story, and you know, Moses' face was changed. Physically, he was changed after having spent time in the presence of God. Even Jesus, when he came down, like they said he, there was something different physically about him. And so if Jesus, if, if, if that can happen, when we're just in the presence of God, just in his presence, just at his feet, just loving on him, 
just worshiping Him, if that can happen, then how much more can it happen to us who have free access into the throne room of the King of Kings because of the blood of Jesus? We don't have to go through a ritual. We don't have to sacrifice lambs and doves and pigeons and cows. and We don't have to go through that pomp and ceremony. All we have to do is just surrender, submit our hearts to Him. That's all we have to do. We just have to give up, really. Are we prepared to give up? I am. And give up not saying, I'm not doing anything, but give up in terms of holding on to my own life, holding on to what I think is precious, holding on to what I think is right. I'm prepared to just give it up and say, Jesus, your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. And watch him change you. Watch him transform you. It's not about the head knowledge. It's about the heart. It is impo- I mean, I don't want to undermine the importance of understanding and being able to dig into Scriptures. I believe it is important. Please hear me in that. All right. Don't, don't walk away saying, Chad, I believe in the infallible Word of God. I hold this thing dearly. I, I, I treasure it. But I treasure the author more. I treasure the one who wrote this more. I treasure him with all my heart. I treasure the fact that, you know, I was, I was pondering on this fact, like some of us, like, like I used to know like years, like guys would go to Bible studies, you know, people love Bible studies. And I'm not against Bible studies in any way. But when I look at your life, like how has that Bible study made you more like Jesus? How has been going to Bible study where you work through the book of Revelations, how has it made you more like Jesus? Has it? Because if it hasn't, then you're wasting your time going to the Bible study. Because the point of studying the Word of God is to transform your mind. It's not just to get head knowledge. It's to transform you. That's why we study the Bible. So don't be fooled into thinking that we just need to have a good Bible study because we need to be changed and made into Jesus' likeness through this Word, through understanding. I mean, I was reading the thing about, I was reading Ephesians about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives submitting to your husbands as a church unto God. Like, like those things, if we, you know, that, that's, that's good meat. But if you get it and it becomes rooted in a life. I tell you what, men, you will be amazing husbands. Wives, you'll be amazing wives. Studying Revelation is not going to make you a better wife. Unless you apply it. And yes, you'll find stuff in Revelations that will make you a better person. But if you're just studying the Word for the sake of studying the Word, you've missed what Jesus wants to do. And even, that's what I believe, even... And sometimes it's just sitting at his feet and just loving on your Father, your heavenly Father. Now, God gave me a phrase, and, I, and I'm, I'm not afraid of this. I'm a God chaser, not a people pleaser. <laughs> I want to be a God chaser, not a people pleaser. And that sometimes is offensive. But we're not here to tickle ears. We're not here to... Please, we had to please the Father. We had to please the Father. Just so maybe we can just bow. I'm, 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 I don't know where to go more. I, I can't, I can't just go, go home and find Jesus. <laughs> go home and find Jesus. And, and if, you, if you don't want to come back again, that's fine. But honestly... <laughs> <laughs> That's the point John says. <laughs> Jesus, and let's just close our eyes. And maybe just as you've sat here this morning, and I, I, I need to do this because this is the mandate. I've got to preach the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. But Jesus died for each and every one of us. And if you are sitting here this morning and you've gone, gee, those, those are whacked. 
If you sit here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, maybe this morning is a good time to start. Because Jesus died for us. He died for our sins. He paid the price. He paid the ultimate price that we, so that we can come into His presence. He paid the price so that God would be, so that man would be reconciled back to God. And so this morning, if you sitting here and you do not and, and have a personal relationship with Jesus, there is an opportunity for you to start to enter into a personal relationship with the living God. Wow, the living God wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And so with every eye closed, and, and if that's you, can I just, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't want, if that's you, I'd love an opportunity to pray with you. Just to enter into a relationship with the living God. Maybe you could just acknowledge, just raise your hand, just ever so slightly and I can see it. I do need to just give that opportunity because, man, you might not get another one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray right now just for every single one of us. I know it's been a different morning. It's been something just, yeah, just very different. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just, just take our hearts and we would just come before you. And even if we've got questions, that we wouldn't go away doubting, but we would just go, Jesus, what is it you're doing? We would go away with questions of hope and questions of expectation of Jesus to break out in our lives individually. A real desire for him to wreck our lives. 100% sold out for him. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, even though it's been very messy in the natural this morning, I know, Lord God, you've had a plan and a purpose. You have had a plan and a purpose. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are leading us, your people. We surrender to you. We come to you with open hands, surrendered, Lord Jesus, to you to have your way. So come, Holy Spirit. Come. Lead us and guide us. Lead us and guide us, I pray. In Jesus' name.